You're listening to Nowhere to Run with Chris White on the Revelations Radio Network. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome to Nowhere to Run. My name is Chris. Thank you for downloading this podcast episode. If you want, there are archives going back as far as 2007, possibly even to 2006, I can't really remember, on the website, nowheretorunradio.com. They are all for free, and uh, you can kind of listen to me um, change my views over the last uh, however many years, six years now. And nothing really drastic, but I did certainly uh, changed my opinions on quite a few things over the years. And I think that anybody that is doing something like this, podcast, blog, that's dealing with this kind of information, over the years has to change their views some because they get great feedback from people saying, hey, Chris, I think you're wrong about this and you need to check this out. And so you just got to, it kind of keeps you, it keeps you level-headed over the years. And so I've got a great, I've got one of the best audiences in the world. I have an audience that are, uh, that are really on top of it and will let me know if I mess up. <laughs> so anyway, that's, that, that's, it's, if I'm, if I'm doing better as if I'm not to, not to take a, a new age concept here, but if I'm evolving in terms of my opinions, as opposed to devolving, it's a result of the good feedback that I get from people. Um, that's a double-edged sword too, by the way. But, uh, anyway, so it's the first podcast that I've done. Since the release of Ancient Aliens Debunked, the the release of it was really successful. Um, a few snags with some technical difficulties, but everything worked out. I think as of today, this morning anyway, there were like 60,000 views just on the uploads that I have on my channels. Other people have uploaded it to their channels and to torrent sites and to other things like that. They have independent views that I can't track, but... 60,000 of this morning. I mean it, and it's and it's growing pretty rapidly. I think it was about a 8 or 10,000 view difference from last night to this morning on on certain places. So anyway, it's cool. It's really doing well and that's what I was hoping by doing it in this format and and spending the extra time trying to make the quality better that it would have legs to do stuff that um the other stuff that I have done just simply couldn't do. So there's still a lot of follow through that I want to do particularly with the promotion of it, uh, which I hope to go all through this month at, at, at the very least. But, you know, really, when I say promotion, I don't mean promotion in terms of promoting it for financial gain. In fact, there is absolutely no financial interest in this at all for me. I mean, there is, I've, I've gone the extra mile to make sure there is, there's no possibility of financial gain um, in any way, shape or form with this movie so far. Um, there is just, I mean, I won't put a donate button on the, on the website. I won't allow YouTube to sell ads on the, uh, I never have done that on my own thing, but I realize that you actually have to shut down their, their ad thing, even for them making money for themselves on your video. So I, I've just, just really tried to make sure that I'm blameless in terms of this being in any way a profitable situation. And I do that for a few reasons. One is that 
because this issue is so um, hot button, there are a lot of critics, and that's one thing that the critics just traditionally have always focused on is that it's doing it for money or something like that. So I wanted to not give them any anything on that. And also, the other reason is I want to be able to say to in a court, if, if I ever have to go to court with this because of a DMCA copyright claim from A&E, which is the owner of the History Channel, if they do the same thing that they did with the trailer, I want to be able to fight it. I want to take it to court or at least you know, do what I can with that. And I want to be able to say this was completely and totally nonprofit, that there was nothing at all, anywhere at all that uh, I made anything from this. So so that's my, my thought process on that. But there are lots of opportunities for promotion of this. And um, one good example, I was invited to, on several podcasts and different uh, shows and stuff, uh, even just next week, I think there's three three already that are, I'm really excited about doing. One of them is the biggest paranormal podcast um, on iTunes, and it just has a huge audience of, of paranormal uh, enthusiasts, and it's a it's a great audience to be able to talk to the to them about this information and uh, you know be asked the hard questions and stuff like that. I'm really I'm really uh, looking forward to opportunities like that one. And so that's one reason I've decided to try to go the extra mile in terms of promotion uh, in the mainstream kind of media. I think the, the the way that I designed this whole project was to, number one, be a tool for people. Uh, the reason why it's all written out and, 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 and the reason why it's all... Uh, sourced and everything is that people can use it as a tool to help their 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 friends and family who are believers in the ancient astronaut theory. But also, it was designed to be palatable to the mainstream um, and something that they would want to p- promote. Basically, I think that the way this is, and because of the nature of the ancient aliens show and what every all the stuff that surrounded it recently in, in pop culture that it's something that can be promoted successfully in the mainstream and that people will write about and blog about and stuff like that. So um, right now I'm working on a press release. Somebody is helping me write that. Thank you, Howie. And uh, so that should um, that should be ready pretty soon. I have still some questions about exactly how to release the press release. I've done some marketing and stuff in the past, and I've used free press release sites, and I know those are pretty much useless for the most part. Um, there are some other smaller press release uh, things people have mentioned, but what I what I really want to do is to actually get it on the wires, to, on the stuff that actual media, newspaper writers, really that people are looking at the actual wires. And I got a quote from uh, from a lady today about that. I sort of just sat on the phone quiet uh, after she told me how much it actually costs. I, I, I don't even know. It was just a lot. But they have these other ones that I think are close online too that are like. PR web that's a pay service too. Anyway, my point is that there are I want to do that and I want to do it right. Um but my question to you is if anybody knows of it has done press releases and knows a good reputable press release site that is reasonably priced that still does all the stuff that I would want um and you do that for a living or you know you've done that let me know what what website would be something that I should take a look at or or whatnot. That would be great if anybody has that. There's another thing that I would really like somebody's help with, and that is uh, the promotion of this on 
um, Facebook and Twitter in a particular way. Let me explain why. Um, this is like uh, Joe Rogan uh, posted this uh, the, a link to the to the thing on Twitter to the Ancient Aliens debunked. Actually, to the correct uh, to the correct link to the one with the fixed audio, which I don't think I've explained, but nevertheless, there is a good link and a bad link. If you go to the main website, ancientaliensdebunk.com, that's really the best way to find whatever the working link is, is just the one that's embedded on the front page. Anyway, he linked it, and it really did a lot of good, um, and there were a lot of hits that came from that. I think when he started linking it, I mean, at least probably 10,000 views at the at the minimum came from his, his tweet, so um, maybe a little less than that, but a lot of views came from that and other people began to to tweet it and stuff like that so my question is and ask i'm asking you to do this because i as i was looking on on twitter and i was seeing like all these people that i know would love to to repost this people that are like really interested in or would be really interested in it you know personalities bloggers and things like that and what i'm asking uh for you guys to do is to help me out just on this one thing if you know like one person on Twitter, like a personality, a blogger, whether in the, you know, real media or just sort of in the alternative media, somebody that you like and that you follow on Twitter and that you think might actually be interested in it, just send them a link saying, have you seen this video yet? Ancient Aliens Debunked. Um, and again, the best link to, to do if you're going to do one from YouTube is that uh, the one on the front page of ancientaliensdebunked.com, but you can link direct to the site uh, as well. Or on Facebook or something like that, or you know, via email would also be good too. Whatever way that you have, but I don't. I'm not asking everybody to go do this to everybody else. But just if you have like one person that you might consider doing on on Twitter, sending them something on Twitter or Facebook or email or something. I know I'm kind of uh, uh, somewhat, you know, asking asking you to help me with that. But it's it's something that I really believe will will help a lot and just generate a lot more opportunities for these kinds of things in terms of, and my whole motivation for this is just to make a big deal out of it. I don't have anything to gain with it. I want to go and I want to talk about it. I want to have more and more people not be ancient astronaut theorists. That's all. And there are so many emails already that this thing is making people instant, not ancient astronaut theorists. It's like, a, a humility that I'm getting with the emails like, hey, um, I was an ancient astronaut theorist and then I watched this and now I'm not. It's like, whoa. I mean, this is for somebody to just jump ship like that on something that is such a, you know, this is a lot of times people believe this because they kind of want to or there's some other sort of reason why that they're just saying, OK, I'm not anymore. Now, you know, that doesn't necessarily, you know, mean, mean anything that good. But it, but I do think it is it's it's a good step. And uh, so anyway, so if you would please help me with that idea of of kind of 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 reaching out to somebody, just one personality, news blogger, personality speaker, whatever, just somebody that you think might be interested in it, and that would be a great thing. You know, one thing that has been interesting. I'm going to continue to talk about this just a little bit, um, and uh, I know some of you are probably pretty pretty bored by now, but let me just get all these details out. Um, one thing that has been getting me is the the idea that, it, it, actually, this is one of my favorite emails to write. This is, this is paraphrasing uh, about a kajillion emails in my email box. 
Hi, I just watched your Ancient Aliens debunked uh, movie. It was really good. You um, explain things really well, and you seem to, you know, really be an intelligent person. But one question I had, it, as I was looking into your other videos and things, I realized you were a Christian. How is it possible that Christians can be intelligent? You know, I don't understand. I'm not trying to be mean, but could you please explain to me this discrepancy? You seem to be intelligent, yet you're a Christian. Now, I love those emails because I love to respond to people um, in an audio response and just talk to them about whatever, you know, usually they have something else or whatever to talk about, but, uh, sometimes not sometimes. Anyway, my point is I do like to, to talk to those people, but, um, one thing has just really hit me harder with this movie than it has in other places. Cause I get that same stuff just about everywhere. Um, in every video that I've done that was similar to this, but the real belief that Christians are second-class citizens. Like, they really just aren't capable of rational thought. And when they exhibit such uh, behavior, it's an oddity. And I can't blame them in some senses. What they're presented with in culture is certainly not a real version of, I mean, uh, uh, of what Christianity is. I mean, it's it's intended to be that, in my opinion. But that's uh, another story. The, the thing is just just really a belief and you don't i don't see it in my daily life like when i walk around i mean i'm 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 not exactly you know wearing christian t-shirts or anything but you know i just don't get the sense that people are like that and you know i live in the bible belt here in nashville tennessee and everything but i don't get the sense that people are just openly hostile to christianity out in the world but i know that the internet is essentially a microcosm of what people are really feeling that they through through the computer they can really type their real feelings and you know there's a pretty good percentage of people that feel that way and i know it's a higher percentage of ancient astronaut theory believers because the whole point of the ancient astronaut theory i mean if i, I i'm really thinking about doing a another version another video another movie whatever about um about uh ancient astronaut the ancient astronaut theory that just shows this really just targeted hate-filled weird anti-christian thing that they do and I mean I could talk about all the weird things that just the the and and maybe even talk about some of the specifics of the people's backgrounds and stuff like that. I don't think it's an it, it's an accident that they promote like yeah I've talked about this a million times but the whole point of the ancient astronaut theorists is that you know they they view the Garden of Eden story and ancient aliens did a show about this called uh, Ancient Aliens and the Creation of Man where they essentially say that Lucifer is the real god and he just wanted to make us all smart and that god was an evil alien and he just wanted to enslave everybody so the Garden of Eden story if you really understand it is that god is an evil alien and that Satan is an awesome cool guy that we should all look to because he gave us our godhood and our life and our light and of course no no coincidence that the name of the production company is Prometheus Productions or whatever. So I don't know. Maybe that's that's a little conspiratorial, I'll, I'll admit. Maybe they came up with the name completely independent. But one other thing about this is the Ancient Aliens debunked website. I do want to make that uh, a really great place for people to go. If you're interested in an audio podcast, if for whatever reason you're unable to watch the film, I should be able to put an audio podcast up on iTunes and linked to the main site, ancientaliensdebunk.com, within the next day or so. Um, Also setting up a few of the social media stuff, Twitter and all that stuff pretty soon as well. But 
Um, that side, I hope to make a really great hub for this whole thing. I just posted yesterday a section of all the outta- outtakes of Michael Heiser's the interview that uh, I did with Heiser when he was here in Nashville. And he said a whole lot of stuff that didn't make it into the film. So if you're interested in that or a big fan of Heiser, you can go to the website Ancient Aliens Debunked. And uh, there's, a, there's a tab on there that says Heiser. Um, so check that out. And you can watch a whole bunch of uh, new footage of Michael Heiser. But I hope to make that site just a place where the blog is is always, um, you know, uh, being updated at least a little bit and stuff like that. Just to keep content going. Because from the early stages of what I've seen, it's going to be a place that it's going to be a very highly ranked website in terms of skeptical ancient alien stuff. And maybe even the highest one out there. So it'll be kind of the the... If if it all goes well, kind of the place where people can go to unlearn the ancient astronaut theory. So I want to make it a place where there's a lot of content over the years. I'm not thinking this will happen uh, tomorrow or anything, but over the years, I want to be that site to be one that continues to do good work and to do good um, do good work in explaining this whole thing to people. So so anyway, uh, I think I'm done talking about all that stuff. Um, but again, if you two, two things I need from you is if anybody does press releases for a living or something like that and knows the best way to do that uh, cheaply or semi-cheaply, that would be awesome. And then the second thing is please, please, please anybody that has, knows uh, anybody on Twitter, Facebook that's a personality, media person, whatever, if you could email Twitter or Facebook that person just saying, have you seen this movie, Ancient Aliens Debunked, you will be doing something for me that is incredibly valuable. Um, So please consider doing that. Okay, so I'll move on to my... um, What should I move on to? Uh, First, I guess I wanted to make a correction about the last episode that I did. I was talking at the end of the podcast a lot about um, persecution and stuff. And, and I got a lot of people saying, Hey, you know, that's not, I mean, it's pretty weird that you're saying that. And, um, persecution is not necessarily a good thing. And you're making it sound like if we're not being, you know, and the persecuted, then we're not doing something right. <laughs> and I didn't mean, didn't mean that at all. I know. And at the end of that podcast, I was really tired. I had been, um, talking, trying to do that. The way I do these podcasts sometimes is I just ramble like at least, five or six times and sometimes I'll go as as long as like 10 minutes and just cut it all out and redo it again until I can get it close to one take. Sometimes lately I've been editing as well. Well, I've always edited some, but anyway, so I was really tired at the end of that and I, and I had a lot of stuff I wanted to say, but by the end, end of that podcast, I was just sort of getting through it. And there was a lot of the actual points that I was trying to make that never really got made. But let me just say it like this. The main thing I was trying to say is that, is that if when we count the cost in those verses of saying, you know, um, if you're going to follow me, count the cost. Like, I mean, be willing to, to see the worst case scenario and saying, even if that's what this costs, I will still follow you. That's the attitude of a follower of Christ is to sort of, is not to have a conditional followship and it's in that act of of not an unconditional fellowship in which you have at least assented mentally to the worst case scenario 
which I tried to make the case that the worst case scenario really is physical torture to the point of death. Um, if you've assented to that, may be your lot. And I don't think it will be everybody's lot by any stretch of the imagination. And I think you're free in a lot of ways. It frees you mentally in a lot of ways. I know that I'm really not explaining that even well now. But I think that counting the cost is a really beneficial thing for us to do. And I think that it changes what you do on a regular basis and your daily daily life. It changes who you are in a good way. Anyway, so that's what I wanted to say about that. And the other thing that I wanted to talk about is the Tower of Babel. Okay, so this is a interesting subject, the Tower of Babel. And I, like many uh, of my conspiracy Christian brethren, have kind of believed a lot of really strange things about the Tower of Babel in the past. I've talked a little bit about this before, but I've been going through just the, the trying to go through the entire Bible here just from beginning to end again. And um, it's been a few weeks now that I was going through this, this and I, I meant to do it actually in that podcast, the last podcast, but I'll, uh, I'll do it now. So I've talked a little about how I didn't really think that the Tower of Babel was as mystical or whatnot as I have in the past, but I think I got a little bit more. Um, I got a little bit more from it last time I read through it, and sometimes sometimes I think it's a good idea. Uh, I know all my uh, uh, KGV only, and uh, hey, I'm KGV uh, sympathetic, but um, but I, I like to go through the Bible sometimes in different versions. Um, because sometimes I get stuff that I wouldn't have got before. Um, especially the Old Testament is great uh, for that because I think there's a lot of places where that, and you don't have a lot of the same baggage of the uh, Textus Receptus stuff. You know, it's it's pretty much Masoretic and Dead Sea Scrolls stuff. So um, anyway, my, my point is is that I like to go through and try to get things that I maybe, not, maybe didn't understand or catch before. And... Um, Gosh, I'm sure I'm the only emails. I'm, all the stuff I talked about right now is just going to be about KGV now. If you're going to send me an email right now, if you're at your computer typing in my email address about something about the Texas Receptus or the Old Testament or the Masoretic and how it's really not that and you shouldn't do that anyway, but please, please, please don't do it. Um, I'll just, I'll just, uh, anyway. Um, so, my point is that... Uh, that I don't think it's that crazy. I, I used to believe, and I know reading through commentaries, I think I know why I was kind of believing this. There, there's this idea that um, that they were going to make this tower, as it says in Genesis eleven four, whose top is in the heavens. And there are some commentary, old commentaries that try to make it uh, seem like you know it's talking about the, the whose heavenlies is in its top, or essentially talking about the the stars, the heavenly bodies, the top reach to the heavenly bodies, something like that. And they postulate that what it really was is some kind of stargate or something like that, you know, something cool, something sci-fi awesomeness. Um, and they ba basically base it off that idea, whose, whose top is in its heavens and some issues with the Hebrew there. And you can look at an interlinear of that, which I actually did. Um, and it's really not that that fascinating it's it basically is what it's saying there but i've also looked at some commentaries to try to figure out what what they were saying 
And to my surprise, this has been dealt with at, at length in a lot of commentaries. But I don't think even if you took the craziest possible version of that, it still is going to change much of what is happening in this in this section of Genesis. So let me do a really bad shooting from the hip kind of commentary on Genesis 11. Um, I'm just going to read it here. I'll read it from the KGV so I don't uh, offend any anybody. It says, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said to one another, Go and let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go, uh, go to let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Go and let go to let us go down and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth that they left off to build the city, that they left off to build the city. Therefore, in the name of therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth. And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of the earth. These are the generations of Shem. Shem was. okay. so that's it. That's Genesis one through ten. Now. Let's let's jump right into the context here. If you go to Genesis 10, you the, the chapter before this, you're looking at the some sometimes called the table of na- nations, Shem, Ham and Japheth and their descendants. These are Noah's sons. This is okay guys, you three dudes and your wives, please go populate the earth. This is not a joke. This is not a this is not a, a um a game anymore. There are three families, four if you count Noah and his wife on the earth. Please go populate the earth, according to the narrative of the, of the Bible, okay? If you have issues with whatever, the flood, whatever, you want to take an allegorical approach, let's just say this is what the narrative of the Bible is talking about. So let's just go with that. Um, so then, then it starts off the next chapter here that we're in, 11.1, and the whole earth was of one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there and they said to one another, let us go make brick, burn them thoroughly. We'll talk about that in a minute. So they're journeying from the east. They're, they're migrating already. And then they found a plain and they said, let's, let's dwell here. Um, so there's a few things I want to talk about. First, this is in the context of people supposed to be scattering, but they are doing exactly the opposite of that. But that's not the whole story. There is something more than this. I think the next line is interesting. It says, and he said to one another, go and let's make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they, and they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. I think the slime is an important part there. I'm going to look at it in, uh, what does the, the NKJV say here? Let us make, let it, um, asphalt for mortar. Now this is the same stuff that they used to waterproof, for example, Noah's Ark was waterproof. This is sort of the, the, the theme that they did there. It also was used to waterproof the basket that uh, Moses was put in. 
these were bricks that were waterproof in a sense and they were baked thoroughly and whatever that's that's i think part of it but the, the they were waterproofed and that might come up a little later but they said let's let's build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens let us make a name for ourselves lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth so i want to talk about their their motivations and what how this all applies to language and there nothing shall be impossible for them because that's the story of this uh of this chapter but there's some details that i think are important i um had not heard this until i was looking up commentaries just before i started doing this show that one theory about why they were building this huge thing and, and, and herodotus actually claims to have seen this like there are other people that write about this in history um, that this is a real deal, this is a, a real tower. But Herodotus, who is the father of modern history, says he saw the thing. He writes about it. He tells you, you know, this is like it's huge. This thing, it's got you know, chariots can pass each other on the way up and even turn around in the in the way that the, the, the ramp or whatever is constructed. He, he's got a lot of stuff to say about it. My point is that um, the the idea here may be that they were preparing for another flood. And they didn't believe God's, um, they didn't believe God's command or, or promise that He wouldn't flood the earth again. This is recent in their memory. Again, the chapter before this is, if you take it chronologically, we're, we're just after Noah. It only seemed just because chapter ten sort of gives a, a, a genealogy of Shem, Ham, and Japheth doesn't mean this is we've jumped much in terms of chronology chronology yet. It's it's pretty fresh in their memory that there was a big flood at this point. And so this tower actually makes a lot of sense in that regard. The idea that they're trying to build it up to the heavens, you know, you, you can't make a, a case in, in the Hebrew or anything else that they were really thought that they were going to to build it to heaven. I mean, if they thought that, they certainly wouldn't build it. They wouldn't start in, in, in Babylon because it's a plan. I mean, it's like at sea level. I mean, you would start at the top of a mountain or something if that was really your goal. But that wasn't their goal. Uh, um, but nevertheless, I don't. I don't think it was, and I don't think that the text says it is. I don't think this idea that the heavenlies were in its top, or even that it was built up to, you know, to reach the heavenly bodies as an observatory or whatever. There are a million different things. There's no, there is no uh, mystical, um, you know, stargate going on here. In my opinion, certainly not from the text. But I think that we can determine that even better through the through the passage itself. The focus, the main point of this passage is saying something different to us. Um, so one language and one speech. This, the Tower of Babel. We, we, this is about speech, right? This is all. This is number one. It's the problem. It starts off the first, starts off the first verse. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. Okay, so we know from the first verse that this is mostly going to be about speech. We know that the ultimate solution to this problem, whatever that problem was, was a a, a division of speeches or a creation of different types of speeches. Okay, so. Whatever problem is here is due to speech and cause and and resolved by speech related issues. The other thing that we find it says, um, let's see. The, the Lord said, "Indeed, the people are one, and they have one language." So the first thing, uh, indeed, the people are one, and they have one language. First thing is about their language. They are one and have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld 
from them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language. Again, the us, the plurality here, uh, some would say it's the Trinity, and that's fine, but I also think that a better explanation of it is the so-called divine council, which is basically uh, a council of angels that appears all over the Bible. If you're interested in more on that, don't worry. Your doctrine will remain exactly the same as when you started. Uh, you can you can find out more about that at thedivinecouncil.com. Michael Heisers, who is a Hebrew scholar and did his dissertation on the Divine Council. If you, have any, if you want to know more about that, go check him out on that issue. But I think it's a better explanation than the Trinity. But um, just because there are, I think, a great deal more theological problems, if it's the Trinity that develop later on, I don't want to go into too much detail about this, but the us language is referring to the divine council. Notice, uh, I don't want to go into, into any more, but the issue here is um, that they nothing that they propose to do will be held with them. What I want to talk about is something, this part I've talked about before in the podcast, that that mankind can do really unbelievably amazing things. We can see that today in our technologically advanced world better than we've had, have ever been able to really notice that, um, that we are doing things like cloning and building, you know, spaceships to different solar systems and just doing things that are just fantastic, just amazing nanotechnology. And I could go on and on. I mean, and, Everybody basically starts to think about what would happen if we were just carried on. What, what, what if everything just went as normal and we were able to continue this for an indefinite amount of time? What would then be possible for us? And though I think that that not everything will be possible for us, but I think that I think that there's limitations to it. Don't get me wrong. But this is as a result of God's creation of man. We were created to it's not a bad thing that we can do that that's not the problem here in fact the, the verse before that it, it says this is the, this is what they begin to do when they have one language they're doing something that's contrary to god's will and that's the problem with this idea that nothing is impossible for us is the inclination of the heart of man is to do evil that that's his point here this is what they're doing with the, with this ability they are they are doing this. They're doing something that I definitely told them not to do. They're doing the opposite, and in fact, in a, in a lot in a large sense, they're rebelling against me. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna live through this next thing, you know, or make a name for ourselves. Could have something to do with that. I don't want to read too much into that. There, there's some good stuff there, but but basically, we're gonna survive this next one, and we're going to, you know, be in this one place. The, the idea that you can definitely make an idea is that they're going to stay in this one place. They're not going to scatter. They're going to build this big world empire, if you will, uh, as opposed to everything else that God said to do, s- certainly in context that was they were supposed to be doing. So they're rebelling against God with their ability. Now, the language issue is one that I've I've recently been thinking about. I'll preface my thoughts on this by saying that um, like, for example, when I was in Africa, I noticed this a, lo- a little bit with the different languages that people would speak. English was really the, the language that you would need to learn if you were going to um, really go really far in any kind of scholarly capacity or a higher education. You really needed to learn English. Swahili was okay, but, I mean, to re- if you're really going to do it, you need you need to learn English. 
and that's become the lingua franca of the world. I mean, if you're if you're a French person and you published a paper and it's some revolutionary new thought, it really needs to get published into English. The people in all the different countries realize that that we've all kind of decided that English will be the one that we should translate it to, if any. Um, and that's why people are learning English. And it's it's possible that it's because of that one thing. We, we always had the ability to do these things. But in a global system where not only are people... Um, have already decided that there will be a, a lingua franca that we'll all pretty much decide to speak, but also combine that with the ability for us to essentially be really close together with the internet and communication. I mean, before it was, you know, it was phones and telegraphs and stuff before that. And now it's, you know, cell phones and the internet. It's pretty much, um, there is no more um, barriers in terms of that. I mean, the language barrier is almost gone. The communication barrier is almost gone. In a lot of ways, we are kind of back to the same main focus of Genesis 11, that they had this ability to do all this stuff if they could get together on the same page. Your geniuses get together with our geniuses, and we could figure this thing out. And again, the problem is not so much that there are geniuses, or and the problem is not so much that language uh, is bad. The problem is, is that the inclination of our heart leads us to do the basically the same things if we all get together with that genius. And I think in a way that's essentially what the Antichrist does with this prophesied world government kingdom. And in a lot of ways, it's the reculmination of, of that rebellion against God that our hearts are inclined to uh, in, in some ways. I don't know, a perfect way to make that comparison between this story and the prophesied story of the Antichrist, but only to say that it's similar. And and that that by confounding the languages as a solution to this problem, it was essentially, uh, first of all, it accomplished the goal of what they should have been doing, which was scattering themselves. They began to scatter afterwards. So the, the, the original goal was done. But it also essentially stayed off what for, for thousands of years what has only now begun to happen with this technological revolution that began shortly after the industrial revolution or whatever i don't know when when it was exactly but no one can deny that what we've seen in the last few decades is unprecedented a jump in 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 weirdness in terms of what we have been able to achieve as a human race we are doing things now that are that would have made our one generation ago think that we had developed magical powers or something. We, we were off the charts um, in whatever way you would graph that out. I don't know. But uh, anyway, you get my point. And I think that that's what this is talking about. I don't see anything where this main... Now, there is a little bit of weirdness going on here. I still agree that they were divided up, as uh, Deuteronomy says, according to the number of the uh, sons of God, is it? See if I can find that Deuteronomy thirty-two eight. When speaking of Babel, um, it says, "When the Most High divided their inheritance to the nations, when He separated the sons of Adam, He set the boundaries of the peoples according to the numbers of the children of God, or the sons of God." In uh, in some translation, children of Israel. It says, in others, 
Let's see here. The boundaries of the people's numbers of the heavenly assembly is actually what the net Bible says. I love, see, that's, that's, you, you get sons of Israel in the King James and you get according to the number of the heavenly assembly in, in some of the newer translations. Newer trans, some of the newer translations aren't all bad. They just help you understand certain things better. Now you have to take the good, good and the bad, but I think we'd be a lot better off if we weren't so dogmatically afraid of other other things because there are these things where instead the sons of Israel does not give you a better understanding of what happened in Deuteronomy 32:8 but heavenly assembly actually is a pretty accurate uh description of that and of course it's all footnoted um uh the net bible is anyway my my I don't want to go too much. I can't I'm going to get a million emails for that but um Anyways, so that's my rather naturalistic version of the the um, Tower of Babel situation, which I think is doesn't have to be anything more than what it seems to just plainly say, what its main point is. Um, I do think that the idea that they were essentially building a tower in case a flood came is a pretty pretty good idea. It would explain this, the slime as the King James have it, has it. Um, or the the asphalt, as it says in different um, versions. I, I think that that's interesting. There's a, a few different things there that I have really made me backtrack on a lot of the mystical views of that. Um, so I guess that's about the end of this program, kind of a short one today. I want to, to remind everybody, if they are willing to help me on Twitter uh, and Facebook, and if you know anybody else or via email or whatever, that's fine too. But just send at least one Twitter or Facebook message or something to some kind of person, a blogger, a, a, somebody in the media, somebody that might be interested in it, somebody, a, a scholar that's has been outspoken about this kind of stuff before, whatever. Just anybody you can think, hey, that's a person that I might send this to. That would be a really, really helpful thing for me. And then also if anybody has any information about where exactly to send professional press releases um if you, anybody has an experience with pr web if which uh which one of those is is a good option that would really help me too to kind of make a decision which way to go with that and so finally i'd ask for your prayers about this particular project of ancient aliens debunked and ask that you would uh pray to to get to the people that need to hear it is the main thing um, Mike Tater and I have just started praying about uh, various issues um, and one of those issues is to get this film sort of behind enemy lines where all the ancient aliens people are uh, and just so they can see it just somehow or another that something would happen to get it to the people that need to see it that's the prayer that we ask that you would pray and that God would uh, use it for, for his glory somehow or another Okay, I guess that's it. If you uh, have any questions for me, don't hesitate to write, and I will see you all next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Nowhere to Run. You can download all of the archives to this show and others I have done for free at NowhereToRunRadio.com. Your prayers and donations are needed and appreciated. You can partner with me to reach many more people with discipleship, apologetics, and the gospel. Go to Nowhere to Run Radio to help support this ministry. Thanks for your time.